You remember the other day we were talking about that next iPad possibly coming out soon, possibly coming out, I think it was March. I was telling people don't rush out and get an iPad Pro right now because supposedly they're going to be doing this uh, mini LED, mini or micro, mini LED iPad Pro. And the rumor in that uh, for that particular device was that it's going to have to get fatter to accommodate that new display tech, possibly to house a slightly larger battery, but that it's going to be fatter, which of course Apple doesn't typically like to do to make it next the next generation of any device fatter. Uh, maybe they made things fatter on the 11, 11 Pro, 11 Pro Max. I can't remember. But then once they did, people really liked the battery life. Well, anyways, point being is this same situation is sounding likely to occur with the iPhone 13. And that's right, Well, We're talking about the iPhone 13 already. Oh. Because that's how these things work. Tech moves in a very Yeah, it goes like this. Case. It goes 10, uh, 11, 12, 13. Is that how it works? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. I, it's crazy. I already talking about the iPhone 13 because you gotta you gotta start getting prepared, setting aside your extra thousand bucks or whatever it is. Anyway, there's a couple things, couple cool things that have come out of this particular rumor originating Mac Otakara. That's the Japanese Mac site that Often shows up in a rumor mill. Shout out. Then reposted 9to5Mac. Anyway, the details about the upcoming iPhone 13 is, first off, they expect to keep all of the models. So you know how we've been a little curious on the mini side? Yes. About the future and the fate of the iPhone 12 mini or whatever. Any mini going forward, iPhone 13 mini. Just mini iPhones. Yeah. Current rumor here is that it's going to hang around, that the entire lineup is going to hang around. It, the design will stay the same, too. You know, they don't want to rework a whole design. They just came up with this flat-edge, shiny thing. Uh -huh. They don't want to rework a whole design already. So it's going to have the same flat edges. Height and width of the devices remains the same, but thickness increases by 0.26 millimeters. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Shake your head. You can't F. handle an extra 0.26. <laughs> This is out of control. 0.26 millimeters. What is that? Two. It's like, you know, a quarter of a centimeter. That's right. Well, it's a quarter of a centimeter. It's something. This device is so thin to begin with. It's something. Yeah. And so the idea here is that so that may have something to do with the display technology. But the other part of the rumor is that it's going to have to do with the battery inside. So we've been talking about ProMotion. 120 hertz on the iPhone, which isn't there yet. Well, guess what happens when you go to 120 hertz, Will? ProMotion? You start using a lot of battery. <laughs> okay. In fact, the, in fact, the speculation on the recent model is that they made the decision they made because they couldn't get the battery for performance they were looking for with the high refresh. I mean, you see this on other manufacturers. We yeah. got a new Galaxy device around the corner, well, this week. And we saw in a previous generation of those devices that they made you pick between resolution and refresh mm -hmm. for battery purposes. Mm -hmm. So you have to believe it's going to be the same over here. And if they want to deliver full res plus 120 hertz, they may need a bigger battery to deliver similar battery performance to what you have right now. Right. Why, why, don't, why doesn't Apple give you that option of like 
60 hertz, 90 hertz, 120 hertz. And like the same for resolution. No, you don't get options with Apple. No? No, no, no. Okay. No, they works. might. They might. It, once they get to 120 hertz, maybe they will on the phone. They don't do it on the iPad, as far as I know. Uh, it's not impossible, but they don't have the 120 hertz display right now, so they can't give you the option. Right. The current model tops out at 60 hertz, and no one wants anything lower than that. Yep. So, it's a... Uh, you're just kind of stuck right now until this next model comes out. So, I mean, the question for the audience is obviously, are you willing to deal with a device that's 0.26 millimeters fatter in exchange for 120 hertz display and a larger battery to power it? I think many people would go for the fatter device uh -huh. in order to get 120 hertz. I don't know, though. Obviously, uh, some people like the thinnest phone possible. I mean, they brag about how thin it is. It feels very thin in the hand. Now, the other thing that came out of this rumor, the camera module supposedly will be the same across the board now, so you wouldn't have this distinction between the Pro and Pro Max. You know how the Pro Max got some sort of camera upgrade, a little more room to work in there. Apparently, they're going to figure out how to do, have the Pro and Pro Max be the same, which I think makes a lot of sense. It's a bit confusing this year hmm. as far as people asking me, oh, you know, which one? I'm like, I can see the difference. I kind of like the Pro Max. And people are like, well, it's subtle, and I don't want the huge phone. It's very... Definitely the most advanced camera is on the Max model. But because we had become so used to the idea that all Pro models would have the same camera, hmm. it's, uh, it was a bit uncomfortable. So anyway, apparently they fixed that. The camera module itself may change a little bit again, according to this rumor, that it could see a piece of glass covering all of the lens modules, all the lens units. Again, it's a rumor for the time being. Oh, lastly... The notch is going to shrink. Finally. This one I'm a bit more skeptical about, but that's the word over here, is that we would see a shrunken notch, which still, it, I mean, it feels kind of antiquated on the iPhone compared, obviously, to some of the other options that are out there. Of course, it exists for a reason to house that advanced face unlock tech, but that advanced face unlock tech in, a, in the current time in which we're covering our faces if I do have to go into a place to pay for something, well, the face unlock is useless. So I'm double tapping to the Apple Pay. And then... Well, you'll be wearing a mask, right? Yeah, because you're wearing a mask. Yeah. And then you single tap the pay with passcode because it didn't correctly unlock with your face. And it's just a whole ordeal. Mm -hmm. And the person's looking at you and you're... I mean, you feel terrible. All these extra seconds when you're used to just tapping real quick yeah. so it is kind of a drawback now of course there has been a rumor that they could just add the touch id to go with it mm -hmm. into the power button because they did that on the recent ipad air right. so iphone 13 let's go out let's go out on a limb and call it right now why don't we put the fingerprint touch id in the power switch and why don't we shrink the notch but still have the face unlock option why don't we do that well and why don't we get a bigger battery while we're at it I'll talk to Tim Cook about it. Yeah. I mean, that's what Mac Odakara is telling us. So, but you talk to Tim Cook. Today's sponsor, Me Undies. The only sponsor that's on my body. Told you that before. Yeah. On my body right now. Yeah. Super soft. Yeah. Uh, super comfy. Super confident. All the supers. Lightweight. Lightweight. Yeah. Breathable. Uh, whether it's. You know, whether I'm sitting on the couch, whether I'm taking a nap, whether I'm uh, 
doing some athletic endeavor. The thing about me undies, I hardly notice they're there. Huh. What I mean to say, you put it on, you're like, okay, that's a soft material. Yeah. But the best part about it throughout the day, there's, you're not making these adjustments. You're not huh. making these micro adjustments where there might be a friction point or something because it's so soft to begin with. It disappears throughout the day, which is actually what you're looking for. Yeah, nothing's pinching you. There's no pinching going on. Anyway, me undies are made with sustainable breather, breathable, softer than soft fabric. Softer than soft. That's what I was talking about. Available in a range of sizes from extra small to 4XL. They got everybody covered in there. There's also a me undies membership, which gives you... And your boo, that's in the that's in the description over here. Oh. I don't know if you know what a boo is, Will. A uh, new pair of undies or socks every single month. So you keep it fresh. A lot of uh, designs to choose from as well. Members get discounted prices on everything MeUndies makes, as well as early access to major print launches. So, yeah, they've really upped the variety recently as far yeah, as getting very adventurous. the colors that you want. I'm a little less adventurous. I'm more about the feel. I'm more in the classic department myself. You don't like the Lucky Charms? I mean, maybe on a special okay, yeah. for a special occasion. Uh, also, should mention they have the softest pajama pants, lounge pants. Those are another uh, another item that I wear around the house when I need something more than the undies to present myself. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I got to present myself. And there's all kinds of other apparel to check out as well. So there's an offer right now. For any first-time purchaser, you get 15% off and free shipping. And there's a problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No questions. To get your 15% off, your first order and free shipping, go to MeUndies.com slash later. That's MeUndies.com slash later. 15% off your first order and free shipping Either click the link in the description or type in meundies.com slash later. Upgrade your underwear, your undies. It's about time. Slacking off. A lot of CES news going yes. on. It's happening right now. It's CES is happening, but it's not happening. It's hard to interact with because it's not, I mean, you're not sure to what degree brands are going to continue to do what they would normally do this time of year as far as CES is concerned. I was curious, like, are they going to go as hard as they normally go, product announcements and such? Or are they going to take it easy considering there's no physical event taking place? No one's flying to Las Vegas and walking through the million square feet inside the uh, convention center mm -hmm. and other spaces that typically get used for this thing. And it's a good idea that no one's going, obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that should take, but it's just curious to figure out how brands want to treat it. But uh, as far as I'm, as far as I can tell, on what what is likely day one, I guess today, uh. it seems like brands are still they're still doing it. To them, CES is still happening, and they're using it as an opportunity to talk about products that normally wouldn't get all that much attention if it weren't for CES. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? These kind of not the big uh, big name type things. I mean, we're not talking about phones here getting launched some TVs and monitors and things like that, but also some of those knickknacks, some of those interesting gadgets that get those red dot awards. Oh, right. Like yeah. all that stuff is still going on. Uh, one that caught my attention here, LG gave a little teaser of its rollable phone, got brief screen time. And I have to say, 
I mean, it's a brief little glimpse, and it's kind of, I don't know if it's CG or what's going on, but I have to say. You're perked? I just, the one drawback with the folding devices is the, the seam. Uh-huh. You can see the seam when you unfold. Obviously, if you go with a rollable setup under tension, there's no seam, Well. Yes. And so the promise is kind of interesting. Now, I don't know how fat that the device has to get specific, you know, to fit the rolled up display or like I have durability questions. Yeah. I got questions. But if you head back to that, there's a little video or a little gif. And look, I mean, come on, dude. Hmm. It's basically going from the size of a typical smartphone to the size of the unfolded Z Fold 2. Mm. So a small tablet, but very slim bezel. And you can see it pop up. And again, it's the image is obviously CG'd onto there. This does not look like a working prototype. But just to get your imagination going about that, but that's a very science fiction kind of thing going on there. Yeah. Scroll down, there's one more video, and it shows a different angle, but again, it remains to be seen how much of this is this video? helped out oh, post-production. Okay. Yeah, that's the video. This one? Yep. Did you break it? You see this guy? From that angle? Look oh, at that. yeah. Very cool. Again, we don't, I mean, it's, look, they try to make a presentation, and I don't, we don't know if it's going to be that smooth eventually, if they, if and when they do it. future of humanity wow this guy's taking it serious right now lg ces 2021 but check it out look okay they cut away and then it rolls down smoothly i don't know man i'm just saying it's lg's done some crazy concepts lg wing remember this thing lg wing they're not afraid to approach the unusual form factors and sometimes with that type of approach sometimes you land on something Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this show. We cover such a wide variety of topics, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, people are interested in that. Yeah. But you only find out because you're covering so much. Uh-huh. So this might be one of those times where they nail it eventually. It's, it seems like it's not ready for prime time yet, but it's a good look at what a rolling thing might mm-hmm. actually be like in operation. <laughs> there was more from LG at CES 2021 so far. They unveiled its uh, the first OLED ultra-fine monitor. So believe it or not, it hasn't been a lot of OLED monitors. Tons of OLED TVs. And then some that are kind of in between that you use as a monitor and a TV, mm-hmm. like the 48-inch that we use over at the studio, the other studio. Yeah. But this is just a straight-up monitor, uh, computer monitor. It's not attempting to be a TV at all. And it's giving you the benefits of OLED, which, well, you know why I'm such a big fan of it on the TV side. People have been concerned about using it on the monitor side. However, there's all kinds of these uh, pixel shifting technologies so that you can avoid some of the drawbacks like screen burn-in and things like that. But anyway, uh, OLED Pro with HDR, individual pixel dimming, a 31.5-inch display, and over 8 million pixels. They also launched a new 39.7-inch ultra-wide 5K 2K which actually might pique your interest given it the monitor you're using right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a... Ultra wide. Is that a... What's the size of this one? This one is a 40... No. Is it in the is 40s? 42 inch? 
Or is it really? 30. I don't know, Will. You're supposed to know these high things. 30s. You stare at that every day. But anyway, this one this one is, is a pretty high resolution, 5K, 2K. And obviously, there's, these are going to be targeted high-end type of monitors. The OLED model covers 99% of the DCI-P3 color space and 99% of Adobe RGB. And the, uh, the obviously, the pixel dimming HDR tech that OLED is cap capable of is going to be a hot feature for... Uh, video editors, photographers, things like this, you're going to get uh, obviously a very, well, uh, a, a very accurate picture with 99% mm -hmm. Adobe RGB on there as well, which hasn't always been the case with OLED. So look how thin it is too. That's yeah. another advantage, another thing you get with OLED. So that's kind of cool. Uh, as far as the other one is concerned, it is one of these kind of hub style displays with, you know what they do, how they do with the ultra wide. It's going to have three standard USB ports, two DisplayPort inputs, an HDMI 2.0 port, USB Type-B upstream, a 90-watt USB-C port for charging nice. your uh, MacBook, MacBook, laptop, yeah. otherwise, and uh, and a KVM switch and a headphone jack. Wow. So you can switch between multiple computers being connected to it. This is the, the all, I'm talking about the ultra-wide one right now. You can scroll down and see an image of that, that one there. So that one's going to be like kind of your Thunderbolt 4 hub which is gonna be kind of cool mm -hmm. wait a second actually i believe i've got that wrong i think the specs that i just listed were actually four they were that crazy amount of uh versatility was for the oled model the oh. 5k 2k 40 inch model on the other hand is displayport hdmi usb and thunderbolt 4. I so see. anyway they i mean they both have a lot of expandability yeah, I was showing off the uh, the ports here. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that is the OLED model. The OLED yeah. model is going to be a tremendous hub as well, which uh, usually isn't the case or isn't always the case when you're talking about a 31.5-inch display, mm -hmm. usually in that scale. So I think this might be an interesting option for... It could be an interesting option for users who don't want to splurge on some of those really expensive displays like the Apple's XDR display, things like this. Uh, obviously, it's not the same resolution, but it's OLED, which is fun. Uh -huh. So, anyway. Samsung is doing stuff at CES as well. They showed off a new robot to pour you wine and bring you a drink, which obviously uh, you would you would want something like this. I would want something like this. Yeah, Red Dot Award immediately. Uh, instant Red Dot. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of cool if you... I mean, look at this thing. It's kind of friendly, too. It's definitely not as intimidating as the uh, Boston Dynamics stuff. Somehow, maybe because it rolls around, maybe because it, it's so off balance that you know for sure if you kicked it over, it could not get up. Yeah. I don't know if that's what crossed your mind as well here, Will. But well, it's definitely not going to revolutionize us humankind no no it's working for us that's for yeah, that's I, for sure it has an expression too it has these eyes on the front inside of a display now it doesn't have to just uh bring you a glass of water it can recognize objects using camera and ai tech hmm. apparently will it's gonna i mean it's gonna put dishes it can see dishes in the sink cool and then and that's what you're gonna see here it's, it's gonna see the dishes in the sink and then put it in the dishwasher like a lot this, of dishes there. You need this, Willie. Do <laughs> I definitely do. You, I mean, come on, man. You're just chilling on the Very couch, helpful. and your bot handy. 
Otis might try to attack it. Look, though. he got the laundry as well. Uh, that's very nice. I mean, that's very useful. Pours the wine, drops a flower. Samsung bought Handy. So the you remember that show, The Jetsons? Mm -hmm. It took longer than people wanted, but I mean, better better late than never. We got the bot handy. Is it the yeah, Rosie Rosie the robot, robot from the Jetsons? So they Very were thinking similar. about it. Anyway, this bot handy, you can't rush out and buy it right now. Samsung says it's in development, but you know how it goes with CES. You got to show off the stuff that's in development. You get yeah. to uh, put the press release. You get the news articles and all the rest of it. But it seems like tech is should be kind of there. Mm. We got talking about self-driving cars. You got all those vacuums that roll around your house. You got the Boston Dynamics stuff. Those are very intelligent and uh, versatile. So we got to be close on this. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. This is the weirdest one of my CES picks. It's also my last. This thing kind of shook me to my core. I just felt very uncomfortable when I saw this. I didn't know what to make of it. This one? Yes. This is the Studio Dock iPad Pro docking station. It makes it turns your iPad into an iMac. <laughs> it's mm. so weird. I, I just I love it because yeah. like the nerd side loves it, but then the other side of me is sitting there thinking, huh. I mean, it's an iPad. Relax. There's another part of me which wants you to relax oh. and wants them to relax. No, not you specifically. Just yeah. the whole thing to relax. Because the thing about an iPad is it's kind of a cat. For me, it's a casual device, the way in which I use it. And maybe I'm just, I have too many other devices and things like this. But I like to be encouraged and invited to pick it up like a magazine or something to uh -huh. consume content. This is hyper productivity to the point where is, I yeah. wonder if the person should just get an actual computer. That's I know the iPad is crazy powerful. And you know what? I'm not even going to rain on this. Whatever, it's cool. It is, yeah. It's I a, would see like this for students. Whatever, it's they cool. They just have an iPad. Whatever, it's cool. Okay, yes. So, yeah. for those of you that are just listening, I mean, this is it looks like an iMac stand, but it has a magnetic connection point for an iPad Pro. And Willie Do did the, the right thing right now, which is click through the link, and this gives us a much better look. The iPad, at least it slaps on magnetically, so you're still invited to detach it. It has a wireless charger in the base, which will charge two separate devices. You are expected to hook up a keyboard and mouse, which, of course, you have support for that now in the latest iPads. And, and you sort of dock your thing, and you get a bunch more connection points for peripherals on the back of it. It will work in portrait or landscape. See, that's a bit weird. She's looking at a portrait. Did you see that? You see, that's what I'm talking about. Hey, people use a portrait landscape. No, but she she had it on a landscape display in portrait. Do you see what I'm saying here? She's huh? on, 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 look, it's only occupying the center of the display. All she, she has to do is turn it around and she'll take, get the whole display. Why am I so irritated? Today? Well, it seems like she was going through her photos, so she has to scroll vertical. More real estate. Really? Where's well, her photos? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. See, look. Hang on, hold on. Wait a second. I want to see the monitor. I want to see the monitor. Like, why do you have an external monitor then? At that point, look, uh, I'm talking about the monitor, not the iPad. Yeah. Oh. See, 
That's what I'm talking about. Do well, that. She, she did it anyways. She did it. We just had to wait. Yeah. You gotta anyway. have patience, man. Anyway, you're making great points here, Will. Ugh. And they're making great points. And I don't know. It's just a weird way to think of an iPad. Look, it even has a charge thing for the watch. It's kind of incredible. It is very gadgety. I don't know. I really don't know how you think about this. You're being so crit uh, self-critic or uh, critiquing I'm, it. But, that's right. Uh, you I'm, actually like it. This right? is this is me. Yeah. This is this is I think anything that you like, you also have the potential to hate, depending on the position you want to take and how you analyze it. Uh, yeah. This is me exposing how. It's easy to see it one way or the other. You can find this product to be irritating and easily say it's unnecessary or overkill yeah. or, or, or or weird. But at the same time, you could say it's exactly what I'm looking for. You you look at both sides. I look at both sides. I try to Good represent both customers and imagine their position. So this adds three USB ports, an HDMI port, uh, an Ethernet connection point. So you have a wired, you have a wired internet connection for your iPad. That I know it's a magnet, here. but at the same time, you have to get that USB-C port connected for peripherals. So I don't understand. They make it look like you're just slapping it on there. Right. But there's a wire that you're gonna. It's gonna have to in. slot into the connection. SD card slot, headphone jack, and the wireless chargers. So it's tons of room for expansion. This is for the most. Most iPad power user type person that wants to make the most. And, and the thing is that these iPads are expensive these days. These iPad Pros cost you thousands of dollars. And so I guess, man, you know what it is? Here's my problem, Will. I have too many devices. That's my problem. So I sit here and say to myself, why do I have to make this device do everything when I, I have so many ways of doing this? I have laptops lying yeah. around. Uh, but if you only have an iPad, computers and monitors, a, this is for a person who really doesn't want any other computing devices, yeah. and uh, and th that that I, I kind of like that approach, but it's just never it's not going to be my reality anytime soon. And it looks kind of funny, doesn't it? When you see it like that, doesn't the screen a lot looks, of open space? Doesn't the screen look small? Are you sure <laughs> that a 12-inch display is going to suffice? Like when it's pushed back on your on your desk? Even this laptop right now, a 15.4-inch laptop, yeah. at this range, is kind of a nice feel. Imagine this thing was I, it's a little bit small. Well, but. look, if you only have enough money for an iPad and this stand... How much is this you stand? You can't get a... How much is Mac this stand? Pro? That's what I want to know. Uh, that studio dog's going to cost some money. It's not going to be free. Oh, they're not going to tell us yet? How Let's much see. do you think it is? Maybe the original article will tell us. Oh, has yet to reveal pricing. Ooh, it's gotta be two hundred more. More. Really? Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's three hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah, that's three hundred bucks. Well, we'll see. By the way, this is unofficial. I'm just saying. I'll I'll try to get it. Anyway, it got the CES 2021 Innovation Award that we were making fun of earlier. So. It's definitely got attention other than uh, us. You can look, it's got an external drive. And I think, I think some of this aggravation comes from my own apprehension around the iPad or iOS as 
your main operating system. Hmm. I've tried it a handful of times and still, and it could just be that I'm, no, it's not that. It is, it is a problem. I go to Google Drive and I can't, do certain functions and you have to use iCloud. Yeah, I gotta get so ecosystemy to the point where it's hard to interact with the actual work world mm -hmm. that I'm sitting there just reach for the laptop again because I'm just even inside of the full Chrome web browser, certain things I can't do. So the iPad OS really messed you up, eh? But I like it. You see? Yeah. It's the two sides of the coin. Yeah. And, I, and I like this. For the record, if you want to put me down on paper, I think this is kind of a okay. cool cool gadget. Hopefully, it's not too expensive. Did you, I mean, beyond the funky docks and uh, robots, hmm. you know the other high-tech item that CES is known for? Fridges! Is that... Uh, I don't know. I mean, every year when I go, it's always some new fridge with... They would put a screen or it would have a see-through panel or transparent door. Or they would put some kind of smart feature. But when you would walk through Samsung or LG, it's going to be fridges. Uh-huh. Yeah, their they're home living kind of uh, tech is pretty cool. You want to know something? Experience. I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind. They're trying out different things. The problem with the know? fridge, though, is how often am I supposed to update my fridge? It's huge. Every month. Yeah, it's huge. Like, I can't upgrade it like a phone. I can't even upgrade it like a TV. Mm -hmm. Like, I gotta, you got to upgrade that pretty infrequently because it's enormous. But uh, anyway, because of COVID and everything else, people are buying fridges. They're, up, like, they're doing whatever they can do at home. Uh -huh. uh, you probably heard about this. Like, video games is another example. Yeah. And... Uh, Home Depot was doing well because people were like, you know, I'm going to fix that thing. That's, I'm going to put a new toilet over there or whatever, you know. Yeah, DIY. <laughs> yeah, it's just like people are looking for things to do at home. And one of them, I guess, is upgrade the fridge because uh, home appliance sales rose an estimated 10% last year. When everything else was falling off a cliff, this is an expensive purchase. And people were still doing it because they're staring at their ugly old fridge. And they say, you know what? I'm stuck inside. I'm going to get a nicer fridge. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a fridge that talks to me. Yeah, maybe. But you know what's funny? This particular report is actually not about the most high-tech fridge. It's about the most stylish fridge. They want to let you customize your own bespoke fridge. Mm. So you're going to pick the panels. You're going to pick the look. You might even pick the exact dimensions of it. Because nice. you want to know what is taking off right now in Korea? What's that? I expect you to know this, Will, so don't you dare scroll through here and try to look for it. What in, what do you think yeah. is taking off in Korea right now when it comes to fridges? When it comes to what? Fridges. Refrigerators. Uh, maybe see-through? Go so on. So you can see your... Go on. Uh, <laughs> you can see your kimchi? <laughs> what? Every Korean has kimchi. Easy. They love kimchi. Easy. I love kimchi. Easy. Come on now. You are kind of close. Exactly. Specialty fridges for kimchi are a popular option. <laughs> Why did you give me that look there? Just to just like make you a little bit nervous, that's all. No. Listen to this. Listen to this. Specialty fridges for kimchi... Okay. Accounted for more than 67% of the Korean market last year. Nice. 
You know what? I could use some kimchi. Now yeah. that you say that, I haven't had kimchi in well, so. Well, there's an owl, you know, right there. No, I know, but like it's when the whole COVID, because for me, I w- kimchi wouldn't be a thing that I would have at home in my fridge. Right. It would be a thing. Do they sell it at TNT? They do, yeah. Is it not good? Like, why do you say it like that? It's not bad. Oh, okay. Because no. I, I can't go to the restaurant, the regular restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, there's the over there, you had the the full out barbecue as well. And yes. I used to go there, but now you can't go in the restaurant. No. I don't know when you can go again. I think kimchi for me was more to experience thing. I never put it in my fridge. I think I'm ready to put it in my fridge. Yeah. You buy like a tub load, which a lot my of fridge is not do. big enough. That's a thing. Well, you can get like a little mason jar kind of size and just pick at it every once in a while. Okay. That's what I yeah, should do. Yeah, the TNT sells it. In that size, like yeah. that? Yeah, okay, yeah. maybe I'll do that. Go give it a shot. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. I could use some of that because because you've got in there all the, because um, of the fermentation you yes. have for the digestion and whatever you have going on. Yeah. I need some of that right now. Uh-huh. So I'm going to reach for some of that. Maybe I'll even get a specialty fridge eventually for it. But anyway, as far as uh, Samsung's concerned, that's how they're going to, convince people to keep buying fridges they're going after those millennials who right. want to have their own custom fridge to meet their exact criteria possibly even a custom kimchi fridge which i don't know, might be on the horizon for me apparently now that i'm buying kimchi i'm trying to fix my gut health yeah oh this next story my god will did you even hear this yet uh did you even hear this yet because you oh, were yeah. trying to do it yeah. you were trying to Get things sorted out. And yeah. we were going to look at one of these. I'm talking about the black PS5. The company came with the throwback black PS5. And Willie Do, he got on the phone and Willie Do sent the emails and it was uh-huh. all getting set up. And we were going to look at this thing and then crash. They canceled the <laughs> it whole thing. So quickly. This company, what are they? Super 35? How do you say that? They're just Super 5? Super 5 is what I've heard. But there's a 3 in there. It's a backwards E. Anyways, they tweeted yesterday that the team began receiving credible threats for their safety and consequently canceled all orders of its 300-plus units, which sold out in seconds despite the $650 and $750 price tag for the diskless and disc versions, respectively. First of all, they should have charged more for that. Mm-hmm. The devices on the secondary market, they're still not in stock everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that would be hard enough to source the machines. But anyway, I don't know. It's They're saying that people were threatening their safety. I don't know why people would go to that degree over a PlayStation 5. Like, what even transpired to the point where you're threatening the safety of people? Are you coming for their... What, what would the threat be that you're going to steal the 300? Like, what is the threat? I'm just uh, asking you to speculate. I don't. I know you don't know, or maybe you do know. No, I, I don't know. Um, it's just maybe too much for them. I'm guessing. That's it's what just, it feels like to me. Look, this I is don't, like a new company, and it's like, wow, we're getting so many orders and so many like interactions here that. Uh, that's, yeah, because because once you hit a particular scale, the threats are gonna like negative stuff is gonna come your way. Yeah. Just as in nature of. You know, it's like you got this giant river flowing in your door. It's not all going to be crystal clear. Especially if it's a high sought off or sought for product. 
jingle all the way like Turbo Man or something, you know? Whoa. People will uh, get pretty angry Reference. trying to get that product. Because it's, it's emotion connected to it. Yes. Well, it's the same. Jingle uh, you all know, the way. You know what it reminds Great me of? It's movie. like sometimes like when we do a giveaway, the excitement level for some people goes into appreciation afterwards. Even people who lose. I, we just gave away 100 iPhones. Yeah. And some even some people who lost are sitting there saying, congrats. That's so cool. They're saying nice things to the people who won and then tweeted about it. Hmm. And then other people are screw off, I hate you, or yeah. the scam, or whatever else. They go that direction to get very angry and, and resentful. I suppose that applies to anything. So maybe people missed out on this, and then they started threatening these guys, give me one of those or else. I don't know. Uh -huh. But either way, this company, as you said, probably bombarded in a way they hadn't been previously and started, you know what, we don't even want this headache. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen with you and your connection to them. Hopefully they can still send us one. And we'll just be honest and say, look, for the time being, they're not going to make it, but this is it. And it looks cool. We can put it on Unbox Therapy. And when they get around to fixing their problems, they can go ahead and make it. But I'm curious just to even see one unit. Yeah. Because it's uh, so cool. The retro aspect, the PS, PS2 look of it. I don't think they should. I think they should at least make one. They had a cool idea. Uh-huh. They should at least make one. We'll send it right back. Yeah. Anyway, if you guys are watching this clip and, and you see this, I think just still make one. We'll show it to the world. When you're eventually ready, you'll have this uh, good exposure and then you can start to sell it. And I'll just put a disclaimer in the video that they're not selling them right now, but it's a, it's a one-off and it's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. That's that's an idea. Anyway, for now, they're backing off the thing. Crazy, crazy development. Speaking of PlayStation 5, apparently the DualSense controller continues to... Uh, surprise people continues to be a fun thing for people continues to probably be better than the competitor mm. uh, Xbox they just brought forward the same controller we're all well aware of it very slight changes um, and then went ahead and pulled their own community on whether or not they should change it as we you know talked about previously PlayStation on the other hand they completely revamped it revamped their controller and they revamped some of the functions of the controller and some of them people didn't even notice, including mm. myself. So the pe people who have figured it out have been like, oh, this has a very useful feature in it that I didn't even know was there. So the first feature is to turn off the controller. So previously, you would uh, tap the center button on an old version. You would tap the center button, and then it would bring up a menu, and then you would go turn off controller okay. to save battery. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how you would do it. Mm -hmm. Apparently on this one, people didn't realize this. And there's been Reddit threads about it, so people didn't notice, but you just hold the DualSense, the PS button on the DualSense controller for 10 seconds. So you just hold it in extended hold. And oh. it's not to shut down the console. It would just turn off the controller, preserve battery life. Mm. Do you like that? That's a useful uh, feature, although 10 seconds is quite long. I think it's because they don't want it to be an accidental input. Where yeah. you were meaning to go to the menu and just uh -huh. tap to the menu and then you end up turning off the control. I don't know what the right amount of time would have been. One, yeah. two, three. Yeah, maybe it could have been eight seconds. I don't yeah. know. Uh, you sound very upset, Well, oh. Also, here's the other one. You can mute all audio by holding down the controller's mute button for a couple seconds. Okay. Are you happy with any of this? No, I, I think it's uh, quite... Uh, quite good. Not bad. 
Yeah, and it's it's definitely a, it's definitely a not bad type of topic, but it's one of those little things that if you didn't know it was there, it can all of a sudden now, it just alleviates. You just you feel happier knowing that you're not doing a roundabout way to do either right. of these functions. That you're not going into the menu when you don't need to, and instead you're using the essentially the key command mm-hmm. kind of thing. You just got the shortcut. Yeah, essentially. So, I'm sure someone will find it useful. Uh, if just one person yeah. is helped by this. Then we've done our job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weekend poll on Android Police. Have you switched from WhatsApp? This WhatsApp news. Wow. They got to be in crisis mode because the amount of heat I got coming at me talking about it. And I'm talking just the type of heat where people are saying, yeah, man, I'm out. It must be a real thing. It can't just be a news story. Real people must be deleting this app. Mm-hmm. And if you're WhatsApp, well, if you're Facebook, you got to be sitting there thinking, damn, should we just update this terms right now? Because right. it's all this press right now and our user base. And we saw what happened with Signal. Signal's flying mm-hmm. as an alternative because the opportunity has been created by this new terms of service upgrade and a sharing of data to Facebook. And so anyway, I wondered, I do use WhatsApp very infrequently, but I'm kind of myself, I'm sitting there thinking, can I convince the one group that I have on there to get out? Is it possible? So I'd see if they even got me thinking about it. But I was curious, the general public, that's why I clicked on this poll, is the general public done with WhatsApp or... Did they enjoy the application too much that even in the face of this terms of service update, are they prepared? Are they going to stick around? Hmm. And so we have our poll results over here. There are a few options to choose from in the poll, one of which was no, I still use WhatsApp. One of which was I plan to switch but haven't yet or it's in progress. One of which was yes, I've switched to something else already. And then a couple of other options I've never used WhatsApp or I switched away from WhatsApp previously. Okay, you, 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 you understand the options there, Will? Now click on view results. We'll see what the public is saying. Over, over 8,000 votes. And just for context on an Android-related website, so, so Android enthusiasts are the ones answering this, 31% say, no, I'm still going to use WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Now that's actually the, the top response, but there were multiple response options for not using WhatsApp. So that's important to note. I plan to switch, but haven't yet, or I'm in progress is 28% of people. And yes, I've already switched is 21% of people. So the, all those that are going to switch equates to 49% mm. of users who are you cur- who have used it recently or are currently on their way out. So that's almost 50% of their users in this poll, at least, uh-huh. uh, of these Android enthusiasts. So now the 31% that plan to continue to use it actually seems small mm-hmm. when you add those ones up, which are essentially saying the same thing. And there's another 7% that switched from WhatsApp, WhatsApp at a previous date for whatever reason. You add that on, you're now 56%. So is that meaningful for their business? You'd have to assume so. If this particular vote is indicative... Now, I want people in the comment section here to take the same question, to run the same survey in our comments. If you're currently a WhatsApp user or were recently a WhatsApp user, have the recent developments with the privacy component 
changed your position. Do you plan to switch? Have you already switched to another platform or are you going to stay on WhatsApp because it's just too convenient and you don't care enough? Stay with WhatsApp or switch to another platform? Let me know down in the comments. Mm. Here's one that's not going to help the case for WhatsApp. WhatsApp private chat groups get exposed again on Google search. <laughs> exposed. Yeah, exposed all caps, which is double exposed. Mm. It's big exposed. I don't even know how or why this stuff gets indexed by Google. Maybe it's sabotage. Uh -huh. But the idea of a private group getting indexed and showing up in search results is kind of terrifying. Uh -huh. For anybody who has a private, I mean, all of a sudden you're like, what was that joke I said? And uh -huh. I don't say jokes. I got no jokes on messenger apps for that reason. Because out of context, you never know, man. Yeah. You'll no more jokes. No, jo no jokes allowed. Yeah. I'm kidding, by the way. I tell a joke here and there. But this, this particular situation, actually, it's happened in the past. And WhatsApp and Facebook, they're kind of mad at Google. They're like, hey, man. Stop doing that. Take us off the thing. And we know it's a public invite, but just please, it looks bad. Mm. So let me break it down how it works. Your WhatsApp groups, you send an invite link for people to enter the group. That link is public. It's a public link. That's the part that ends up getting indexed and then becomes searchable. Along with it come all the user profiles of everybody who's in that group. Now, you may think as a WhatsApp user that because it's a private group, every aspect of how that group operates is private. Mm -hmm. But that's not exactly the case here. At least this is evidence otherwise, that at least a certain portion of it is exposed to the open web where somebody may be able to figure out which groups you belong to, which groups you've been invited to, and so on and so forth. Can you get someone's number from like the invite link? You There's actually a, an image there that shows the way the search results come up for these groups. It's very bizarre. So all you have to do is Whoa. search on Google, chat.whatsapp.com, and all of a sudden you bring up all these variety of groups that exist, different names, and uh, and the invite link. And, and you can see there, there's actually a phone number, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So you get the phone numbers. I mean, it's terrifying, kind of. Mar oh. mar marginally terrifying. So the issue has been addressed by WhatsApp, and the exposed links have vanished from search results. I know WhatsApp basically says, hey, you can't be doing that. Um, but they also say at the same time, hey, just so you know, those invites are public. But it's hard to imagine. I don't know if this if this kind of experience exists on other platforms or not. Or if uh, I have to believe that these more secure platforms don't behave in a similar fashion. Right. In the company's statement about the breach, it insisted the app's security has been greatly improved since last year's leak. And it implied that users themselves have been to blame for this weekend's Google spillover. Here's, how, here's their quote. Like all content that is shared in searchable public channels... Invite links that are posted publicly on the internet can be found by other WhatsApp users. Links that users wish to share privately with people they know and trust should not be posted publicly. So they're blaming users for having posted these at some point. 
hmm. and then them ending ending up out there on the open web. So there there is a little bit of user blame, but I don't know if users care, especially when there's so much heat on WhatsApp right now. It's uh, it just ends up not being a good look, obviously. Yeah, I agree. What'd you just Google? Uh, Zoom bombing. This is oh, when you jump in somebody else's Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. That and kind is of, it because of the invite link as well? Is it something similar? It must be. Yeah. Yeah. That Zoom invite. But on Zoom, you need a passcode too, right? Uh. Oh, I guess some people have open invites. I guess someone would have to, the host or something, would have to accept whoever's joining. Yeah. Like they might be waiting in queue. I, I, I I'm not a big Zoom guy. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm, I've been mostly able to avoid Zoom. Yeah. So. Good for you. Uh, how about this one? Five new services that Apple could launch. I read through this. I found it a little bit interesting. It's helped, you know, we're, Apple has transitioned into uh, a services company, right? They've uh, really embraced the idea of delivering, you know, the fitness stuff, the TV and the news and all the rest of it. And investors love it because it's these recurring payments and it, tremendous potential for revenue. So, but some people seem to think that they haven't even scratched the surface. That there's plenty of, of plenty more opportunity considering the level of integration and uh, uh, the ecosystem that exists there. So here are some suggestions. I kind of agree with the first one here as a potential podcasts plus. What do you think about that? I think that's possible. Spotify does it. Amazon is doing it. Imagine yeah. they got in with their money and were able to secure some pretty high profile names and content mm. and have it exclusive to their podcast. It's it's. Apple's play in podcasts is kind of weird. They were the first ones there, mm -hmm. dating back to iPods, hence the word podcast. Yet it feels like they haven't really monetized it. Podcasts have come and gone, and really podcast creators have been free to do whatever they want as far as publishing podcasts mm -hmm. to Apple Podcasts, previously to iTunes. But there hasn't been a lot of development on that side from Apple's point of view. It's just been a thing that exists on your phone. And then, and then other podcast apps have come out in the meantime, yep. whether it's an app that just aims to change the way in which you interact with podcasts coming from a variety of sources or apps like Spotify that want to make podcasts exclusive. Uh -huh. So you have to wonder if Apple has an opportunity. They certainly have money and they certainly have, certainly have the installed base to take more advantage of it. Mm -hmm. in a way that they currently aren't. Like premium podcasts? Well, exactly like uh, the Rogan stuff on Spotify, right? On Spotify, if you want to listen to his podcast ad-free... It's only there on Spotify. You would have to pay for a Spotify account, right? And if... I mean, you can listen to it for free, but I, I, I assume there's ads in it Yeah. if you do. So it could be something like that where you still could listen to it with ad supported although apple doesn't typically like ads right they usually would prefer to just pay you to pay a small fee and uh -huh. i mean they're trying with content right with tv yeah. plus i don't know that any of their shows have been a great hit but they definitely got a list talent they spent a bunch of money on that in an attempt to get you to pay a monthly fee and spotify and amazon are doing the same thing so mm -hmm. obviously apple is paying attention and considering it 
The other suggestion, Maps Plus, that seems like a tougher pitch to me, but it is possible with Apple's potential entry into the automotive market. Stocks Plus is interesting because they do have a financial product backed by Goldman Sachs, that is the Apple Card, and they have increasingly become interested in financing and your finances. So that, maybe there's a little bit of potential there. Mail Plus, possibly a premium mail application, although I don't know what the added value would be there. There, there, have, uh, there have been premium mail apps in the past, and Apple's own mail app hasn't been that great. So, But I don't know what type of features it would have in a premium, from a premium perspective. And then the last one here, Health Plus. This also seems plausible. They currently have the fitness product, but imagine as these sensors continue to increase on things like the Apple Watch, Health Plus could encompass a more um, comprehensive approach to your actual vitals, your the various, um, if you have a pre-existing ailment or something, or you're, yeah. you want a more comprehensive tracking of certain, because this exists, uh, I think, who just put this service out, a plus version, Fitbit. Huh. They just did a plus version of theirs, which goes into more depth and analysis uh, you know, the strap, the whoop strap, Amazon put out their new fitness band, which has enhanced tracking. Yeah, what is, see, there's a free trial, and then I don't know what it costs. But anyway, they call it premium health, bro, premium Fitbit. Fitbit premium, 90-day trial of premium to help you stay active and well. And I don't know, they put programs in there, guided programs. They put meditation in there. They got Aisha Curry on there, cool. you know, so... Yeah, a one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I don't know if this is too much crossover to the Fitness Plus program, but anyway, it's another possibility. Hmm. The one that stands out to me out of those suggestions is the podcast, which is probably why it was suggested first in that particular article. Apparently, Logan Paul is going to make more money than people originally thought on his upcoming fight with Floyd Mayweather. Huh. Uh Somebody reported he was going to make like 5,000 bucks or something, right? What? 5,000 bucks? Never mind. Uh, 200,000. Oh. 5%. 200,000 and 5% of pay-per-view sales oh. where apparently Floyd was going to make 5 million plus 50% of pay-per-view sales. Mm. Now, in these negotiations, often there will be one side that has the superior deal. You call that the A side. You call that the A side. Yes. Because they have more leverage in the negotiation, mm -hmm. they are the tougher catch, so to speak. Obviously, Floyd Mayweather, undefeated boxer, one of the greatest to ever do it. He's the A-side of this equation. I mean, Logan Paul has a following. People are going to buy this thing. He's not bringing nothing to the table. So when I saw the figure, it seemed a little weird. How much, how imbalanced it looked. 200,000 plus 5% of pay-per-view versus 5 million and 50% pay-per-view, right? That's way off. But apparently there's an update. It came via Logan Paul's podcast. And he didn't say exactly what the figure was, but he does say, you're way off with your estimates and you'll never know. I probably would have done this fight for free. It's an iconic opportunity. This is some leg legacy stuff. He didn't say stuff. He said the other S word. I'd have done this for free. Did I just say S word on this show? This is a family show. You see how that goes? Yeah. This is some, leg this is some legacy stuff. 
This is the coolest thing in the world. I get to grace the ring with one of the best boxers of all time and attempt to take his head off. But I didn't take it for free. I'm going to make a good amount. And then his pal, Mike, jumps in and he just has to get it straight. He says, eight figures. You're not going to say it, but eight figures. <laughs> I'm just doing the podcast now. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes on to get angry with his brother for causing beef with Dana White, stating that he likes Dana White. And Dana White now perceives them as being the same person, even though they're separate right. people because they have the same last name, which mm -hmm. is Paul. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, yeah, he's going to make a lot of money. I mean, that Are was obvious. What's that? Are you going to watch the fight? Yeah, I think so. Yeah? When okay. is it? February 20th. That's pretty soon. Well, here yeah. we are. Here we are promoting it. Yeah, it's a, a month and nine days or uh -huh. something like that. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. It's yeah. so hard for me to pr predict that far out what I'm up to, but uh, it's possible. I think if I'm around, I'll check it out. Yeah. But yeah, they're both going to make... That's, that's the reason right there that they're both going to make a ton of money is because of this moment, that moment you just had right there. You say, uh -huh. are you going to watch it? And it's like, well, it's one of those events that's so absurd uh -huh. and unexpected that you feel you need to know the outcome. And that's why this YouTube boxing stuff has been so successful. Yes. It, it's, the, it's the somewhat absurdity of it. And then I feel like when his brother knocked out Nate Robinson, mm -hmm. it all of a sudden added another multiplier effect to it. Yes. Because all of a sudden now I'm watching the sports broadcast and... I'm watching the Raptors game the other day, and they're asking Fred Van Fleet if he would fight Jake Paul. And I'm like, what is going on here? My wor The worlds are colliding. Yeah, yeah. And every time the worlds collide, it means revenue because you're doubling up on the potential purchase base, on the yeah. customer base. Mm -hmm. You're doubling up. you got YouTube people who are on YouTube. you got people in from the sports world. And uh, and then you got everybody that they all talk to. So anyway, mm -hmm. their uh, money is there to be made. This next one is one of those situations where somebody says the tweet, but then they look at who the who the tweet or where the tweet was sent from. Do you know how that works? Yeah, it's like the tw the Twitter police concept. Uh huh. And then they find they find the history of who they are, what they do, and everything about them. No, no, no. That's not what I meant. Oh. I meant, I meant, I meant like you say something negative about Apple, but you tweet it from an iPhone. Oh, that's what I was talking about. Irony. Yeah, it's just it, in a way. I yeah. don't know. You just hear about from time to time where the next tweet, the top reply, will be like tweeted from iPhone, uh -huh. and it will be a tweet that's about boycotting. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is okay. So, I do, hear you. do you know this person, Candace Owens? Uh. I feel like I should know her. Okay, well, she's just a political, online US political uh, um, commentator, right wing. And I've heard of her name quite a few times. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard her. She has yeah. done major views on Facebook, if I recall. And anyway, she has like this very divisive. It's not really actually all that important to this story. I'm more, I'm more interested in the tech aspect of this story rather than the politics, but. She, she's a divisive figure. Some people absolutely love her. Some people absolutely hate her, depending on where a person lands on the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. But lately, and I don't know how much you've been following this, and I'm, I, I promise this is not becoming a politics show because I'm, I have a point here that I'm going to make about tech. 
uh, because of recent events, there's been all kinds of banning of people and platforms. Mm -hmm. So you had Trump got banned off Twitter, Facebook, a lot of feelings and opinions on this. If it's the right move, if a person should be able to, uh, like the dangers in a person having a platform versus the dangers of pushing a person off a platform and having them start different platforms. They, right. Then you have no idea what they're talking about yes. and everything goes underground and, and becomes potentially more radical than what yes. it was that was being talked about in public. This is a whole philosophical conversation where you land on it. But, I mean, it might be easier to become a radical individual in private than in public is one of the arguments. The other argument is, well, I don't really care because the risk factor of having that individual out on the public uh, inciting something, whatever, th these private platforms don't want to be affiliated with it. Yeah. They got advertisers. At the end of the day, it's easy to say, oh, it's some sort of a large conspiracy. It's fun to say that. But you know what else is at play? It's how they get paid and how at the end of the day... Any platform you're participating in online, whether it's here on YouTube or you're on Twitter, it's all ad-based, man. Mm. And so therefore, if an advertiser picks up the phone, if they spend enough money and they're like, you know, I'm not, I'm going to pause my spend on this because I don't like your decision on that. As a business, you're taking that into consideration as a private entity. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'm just painting the picture here. Trump got banned from Twitter, Facebook, etc. Then this other social network called Parler gets wiped off the face of the earth. Now, this was some sort of a offshoot of Twitter at some point. Yeah, look, the site is down. An offshoot where you could say whatever you want and not get kicked off the platform. And it was a popular choice amongst certain uh, political groups. And But the, the problem is this is kind of the effect of what I was saying, is if you kick a person off Twitter, like look at the difference in language on Twitter versus Parler. If you go look at some quotes from what people yeah. are saying on Parler, it's another level to it hmm. because it's become more and more fringe. And so it can... The, the stew with which everything is marinating becomes more... Uh, concentrated? Concentrated. Yeah. As opposed to diverse. Yeah. You know, where at least... And I know most people manage their feed in such a way that it mostly just gives them what they want to hear anyways. But at least on the platform somewhere is an alternative viewpoint to your own. Mm -hmm. Anyway... So Parler goes down as well, and she gets upset about that, and a lot of people get upset about that. And the reason Parler went down is because its hosting service said, we're out. We saw what happened at the Capitol. We see what's going on over here. We do not want to be associated. So it was Amazon, Amazon AWS. Yeah. And they said, we're out. And so the service back end relies on it, and now they're suing. Parler is suing Amazon, I believe. But it's not a lot of other brands or companies or products that can deliver a product similar to AWS. So they're kind of stuck and they might be done because there's no way for it to happen 
if these partners don't want to do business with them, which, by the way, private companies, they can do as they please. Right. Got to put that in there. So anyway, she comes out and says, where's the tweet? Where's the quote? Uh, I got to get it. it. I got to get it for you exact. Well, that's a portion of it. I had the actual full tweet somewhere. Maybe it wasn't in this article. Uh, recently, we've seen steady increase in violent. Con- oh no, that's the Is that's the, it. There's a tweet. Thank you, sir. Unbelievable speed. She says now Apple. This is so it's a tweet. Then she quoted her own tweet. She goes now Apple and Google are threatening to ban Parler to stop people from going to any alternative platform. They are creating a monopoly. They want no ideas, all caps, or conversations, all caps, that they are not able to control. They do not want conservatives communicating with one another. Yes, they don't. They, they of course they don't not want control. They run on advertising, and and maybe people want to make the case that. Well, wait a minute. Aren't there people on all ends of the spectrum that want to purchase advertising? I don't know. I'm sure they do know. Mm. They have a revenue structure. They're well aware what their spending looks like. And I can tell you, at least from my end, having examined CPMs and and uh, re- revenue associated to advertising on the internet, when stuff gets squirrely in the world, when there's conflict or... Uh, you have unsavory events take place or l- less than picture perfect uh, global events going on. Unrest. Any kind of unrest, justified or otherwise, advertisers put their money back in their pockets. They just say, I don't know. I'm yeah. uncomfortable. I don't necessarily want to be associated with all these strong opinions that may draw a connection between my brand and that negative sentiment or that angsty or that mm-hmm. uh, conflict. I don't, we just, we're going to be careful here. And they yes. do it every time. And so these platforms have that to deal with as well, just to be clear. Anyway, her next tweet is, there needs to be a class action civilian lawsuit against Google and Apple, and we need to stop using their products. Trump needs to join Parler. Parler needs to get ready to drop a serious lawsuit. You cannot censor 75 million Americans. This is insane. Okay, that's her tweet. And then, of course, the very first reply, you first, with a screenshot of tweeted or Twitter for iPhone. In other words, she tweeted her Apple boycott tweet from an iPhone. Ooh, sick burn. (laughs) And it happens every time. Yeah. And it happens every time. And it's funny because I know it gives you a little, you got a little like, ha, ha, gotcha in there. Uh But... It's not really what she's saying exactly because she's kind of talking in in the future to a certain she's saying we need and we need to stop using their products. In other words, I'm currently using their product. Mm-hmm. Right? It sounds future tense as opposed to present tense. Is that how you say that? Future tense? Anyway. It doesn't change the fact that it's kind of a ridiculous tweet when you're looking at it from the standpoint of a of a tech enthusiast 
if you stop using Google and Apple products, I don't think you're on the internet anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're on the internet. I just, I really don't actually know how you continue to run your platforms and uh, uh, run your business, whatever your businesses are, without Google or Apple. I think you need one or the other. You might be able to stop using Apple and you might be able to stop using Google independently. Mm -hmm. But to stop using them both means Android and iOS are out the window. So yeah. now I'm not sure, do you, you don't get to use a smartphone? Well, you have to use one of those dumb phones. Yeah, but then you see so you can't run your business. She can't no. send the tweets like that no. on those phones. So she has to go back to her desktop computer running Windows. Yeah. In which case, I'm pretty sure Microsoft, who got mentioned as a potential to pick up Parler, because they have that Azure. Azure, I'm pretty sure they're not going to do it either. So uh -huh. now she's got to add Microsoft to the list and Amazon, and there's nothing left, which I don't know if that makes people comfortable or not to finally recognize how reliant we are on a couple of different companies, but either way you slice it, the, the tweet is kind of short on that front, regardless of the fact that it was tw uh, tweeted from an iPhone. So, right. But it, it, I think we're collectively coming to the realization here that just how fragile all this stuff actually is, that it may feel like a utility at times. I mean, that's actually what makes these things feel strong because in your head, they don't really feel like products, mm -hmm. right? It's like YouTube feels like a thing that's always gonna be there and Twitter feels like a thing that's always gonna be there. Same with your accounts and everything else. And I'm not saying that, I mean, most people don't have a reason to be banned, but every time you get reminded that these are private companies making decisions in private, that uh, in some cases need to be made, mm. every time you're reminded by that, it, you, I personally can't help but get a sense of fragility of the whole thing, that it's a group of people making these decisions that are not, they have their business interest in mind, but we're kind of, the way the public perceives their platforms is different than a typical business with a handful of people making the decisions. That's all I'm saying. There's kind of a disconnect there. Yeah. So that's, I guess, just a reminder that it's just the private companies have a, in this situation, this handful of private companies has a tremendous amount of power. Uh -huh. And that shouldn't be, a, that shouldn't be a realization that you're just coming to right now. That's been like that for a little while. Mm. It's just, we don't, we're not faced with it all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's sure, it's sure not an easy position to be in either. When, I mean, you look at the backlash on this stuff, it's just like, I have no idea what's gonna happen, by the way. Well, nobody does, but it's just, you look at the Trump stuff. Yeah. And you talk about whatever it is, 80 million followers and the account deleted. I mean, look what happens if a what if just a regular citizen, a YouTuber with 80 million followers gets deleted? Yeah. It's a big deal to people. Yeah, man. There's been so many tipping points <laughs> with Trump in power. It's uh, <laughs> every day is just news about him. It's kind of scary. Anyway, it's impossible to so boycott. It's impossible to boycott Google and Apple. That's my. That was the main thing I wanted to talk about. Is just the realization that that is a duopoly. That is the thing that Epic says. 
there is really, I don't know what OS, it, it, reasonably, like no one's using whatever Huawei's working on. You're not connected to the world without iOS or Android. Did you make right? your point clear? Like, are you? Uh, Am I happy with it? Yeah. I don't know. It's. Okay. I mean, you. It's. These are impossible topics to uh, fit with just a series of words. Yes. Yeah. Because there's so much emotion associated with it, but it's just that one line. We need to stop using Google and Apple. That that's the thing that put this story in it in it for me today. Mm. How impossible that actually is. Mm-hmm. for almost anyone to completely stop using Google. I want to know in the comments, has anybody successfully quit Google and Apple? And if so, what what are you currently using? Mm. Maybe Edward Snowden has quit Google and Apple. He probably has. Yeah, probably. He's on Linux and everything has to happen on his laptop. And that's yeah. it. Probably. Can you run Linux on a phone? Probably somebody's doing that too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm sure there is. Bitcoin, let's talk about Bitcoin. Because every time I talk about Bitcoin, I never know if the actual headline of the article that I read, if it's still going to be true at the time that we shoot. You see, that was a few hours ago now that Bitcoin took its biggest plunge since since March. Okay. Uh, is it still the case? Okay, it, it, it is down. <laughs> it bounced, no, it bounced back a little bit. A little bit, but it's still down. It's down 500 bucks on the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, yeah, down 500 bucks on the day. It's down six, uh, 5,000 bucks from its high. It was up past $40,000 oh, and now it's down to 34,854 at the time of filming this. Anyway, at the time of this article, it was down about 26%. So I think it actually maybe even dipped a little lower than that. It went went down to uh, what's the lowest it, it hit there? Uh, 33? Thirty three. Thirty six. Thirty six. This was a five day. Oh, that's a five day. Right, whatever. Thirty four eight fifty four. I mean, it's pretty much. This is a weird graph. Yeah, these yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it always depends the type of graph you pick. Just do the do the one day, I guess. One day. Cuz that's what this article is at least referring to. So the low point on the day was right there. Oh yeah, it got all the way down to 30 grand. So, yeah, I mean that's a pretty big dip from 40. It goes to show you the the volatility is still there. It go it's it's booming like crazy, but the, there is some volatility in there. However, when once it hit 30, people started getting back in. And drove it all the way back up to the 35 that we're seeing right now. Some people saw opportunity at 30. So this thing is impossible. Every article, like I said, I have a particular take on it. And then it'll be the reverse by the time I'm there to talk about it. But many people believe that there is a correction in place. And that this amount of steam is impossible to maintain. Uh, in fact, we have a tweet here from Scott Minard. And... Uh, He's a big, he's been a Bitcoin guy. Bitcoin's parabolic rise is unsustainable in the near term, vulnerable to a setback. The target technical upside of 35,000 has been exceeded. Time to take some money off the table. So here's a, an investor that says, 
time to sell a little bit. Now, this is the same guy, by the way, that has predicted that Bitcoin could eventually reach 400,000. So it's nice. not like he's anti-Bitcoin. He's just, I guess, saying short-term stuff. This thing's got to chill out. It's going to take a while longer and it's moving too fast. But anyway, I mean, it's again, it's impossible to talk about because at the time of this article, it's down to 30 grand. And then I go to film and it's back to 36. So, you know, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Can you, can you uh, find your phone already with all the Bitcoins in there? No, 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 no. Ugh. No, no, no. Because I'm, cause I'm uh, boycotting Apple and Google. So right. yeah. that's the thing. Doing that. Unfortunately, it was on one of those devices. It was, I think it was an Android device. That, and so therefore that Ugh. I'm boycotting those Bitcoin. A couple Bitcoins in there. <laughs> oh, boy. Man. I read an article once somebody boycotting, yeah. trying to boycott the big brands, and their life just became miserable. They couldn't interact yeah. with anyone. They couldn't. It's very isolating. Uh-huh. Just yeah, going back tough. to that. It's tough. Difficult thing. Which one would be easier for you to quit? Apple, right? Apple's easier oh. to quit than Google. Because I guess we'd Man. have to quit YouTube. Google? Yeah, with YouTube. Okay, we can't quit Google. I do like my MacBook, though. We would have to quit this whole business, man, if we quit. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, true. we can't do that. So we would have to quit Apple. We could do that. Yeah. that. That would be doable. The NFL's 8K camera makes real life look like a video game. This is a very conflicting oh. article for me because there's a lot of things wrong about it, hmm. but it's still kind of interesting. So if you click that video clip right there, this says the NFL in 8K is fire. And you go ahead and watch the clip, Will. Tell me what, what you think about it, how it makes you feel. Uh, it does look like a video game. The shallow depth of field, something with it, it looks very uh, surreal. Would you say you like it? Do I like it? Uh, I would like to see more of it. Okay, I'll give you some more in a minute here. Um, let I me, don't mind it. Let me first just tell you it is not 8K. So okay. people for some reason started just saying it was 8K because they thought it looked so amazing that it couldn't be 4K because they had seen broadcasts in 4K previously. Hmm. But actually what you're looking at is just a much different camera from, from what would typically be used for TV. In fact, this is a camera that we're really familiar with and we use a lot, which is the Sony a7R IV. Oh. And they're now using it on the sideline with a gimbal and they're actually, the, the maximum resolution of those cameras is 4K. Mm. And believe it or not, this part of the broadcast is only be, being uh, broadcast in 1080p. So oh. it's not a resolution thing that people are seeing that they think looks like a video game or they really like. It is actually what you mentioned, which is the shallow depth of field. Yes. The shallow depth of field, you're used to seeing it in films. You're used to seeing it all over YouTube. You never see it with sports. And it kind of messes with your mind a little bit. That is true. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it's making people think that the image is so much better than it is, when in reality, it's just a blurry background and a really quick focus fall off. Now, so in, they automatically assume it was 8K? Yeah, people were just started saying it's the it's Fox's new handheld 8K camera, oh, which was really weird. just the Sony A7R4. Uh, now, a couple of things I should mention about this real quick. The uh there's no fans in the crowd and right. so one of the motivations to come with a more shallow depth of field may have been to to diminish the impact of an empty audience 
Right. Because you see how that worked, how you focus right in on the main person, but then the whole background is blurred. Yes. So you just don't even really pay attention to the fact that there's no fans there. That could have been one of the motivations. The other one is cost. Considering everybody's trying to cut costs right now, this is a way cheaper and smaller setup than a traditional TV type of setup. This is an A7R4. It's a few thousand bucks. And the gimbal's, I don't know, another 600 or something. They're actually using the same gimbal we have as well, the the new DJI Ronin. We have this setup. Yeah. And people saw it with football and colors, and they were like, wow! AK. AK and video games. (laughs) Amazing. So anyway, if you scroll down... I'll give you one more example. Somebody already kind of uh, uh, debunked debunked the 8K thing, and that's Brandon Costa on Twitter. And if you play this clip right here, you'll see that the the actual game portion, I don't know if you can show this, if you're going to get, yeah, just show a little bit of it. Go to the end part. So the game portion looks normal, what you would expect. Now, if you go to the end portion, middle to end, uh, oh, maybe middle portion. Little load. Little loading here. Yeah, it's the it's the end zone celebration actually, that really illustrates how they're using this thing in broadcast. Here you go. So same thing. Shallow depth of field. A guy runs out. A cameraman with the gimbal and the Sony, which is a small mirrorless camera, by the way. And it gets gets this really intimate, shallow depth of field footage, and people end up going crazy for it on social media. They never saw guys in that fashion before, the athletes and things like this. So if you click on that guy's tweet, if you just back out and scroll down, he actually has a photo of the cameraman as well. Might have to... uh, Maybe click on his profile, because I know he posted it, yeah. If you click on his actual tweet, it is in the thread. Is it? Yeah, click on the actual tweet. There you go. Now scroll. Never mind, Will. You missed it. There he is. Yeah, there he is. So that's what the guy looks like. It's a tiny little rig, a little monitor, and actually it's more cost-effective than probably whatever the NFL was doing before. And uh, it's wirelessly transmitting the video signal back from that Sony. There's something going on in his backpack. And it's sending it back to the production team in 1080p wirelessly, which is kind of a cool setup, but not 8K. Certainly not 8K. And it goes to show you like, how advanced the consumer level stuff has gotten mm-hmm. that you bring a Sony in that so many YouTubers already use, mm-hmm. and you bring it into the NFL, and it was like, that looks amazing. It's like, wait, you could have watched that thing on YouTube yeah. forever. Well, that's creative. Yeah. Good for them. Nice little rig. Have you heard of this, Will, when you buy something from a company, it could be Amazon, it could be Walmart, and you need to return it for some reason? Yes. And they tell you, you know what? Don't bother. They tell you, you know what? It's not even worth it to us. We'll refund you the money and you keep it. Don't even bother sending it back. It's amazing. Has this ever happened? Best case scenario. Has that ever happened to you? No. This is a thing that's happening more frequently now. As everybody is ordering everything online, these companies are discovering with this increased surge in returns 
that it's in some cases not cost effective to send a return label. You know the cost of shipping on things. Yes. Sometimes you might have something that's actually not worth as mm -hmm. much as the shipping cost to send it back. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you might have something so big and heavy that it's just not worth the hassle of re-warehousing it, having an employee look it over to see if it's working. And so this has been happening increasingly. Now, they, these companies don't want to be encouraging people to buy things, fake return it in an attempt to get it for free. So they're using a variety of factors to determine if you're eligible for that, including your past history. So like this can't be a thing that you're attempting to do over and over. Right. If you rarely return things and you're about to return something and because it could be a disaster, obviously, if they just keep refunding everybody all the time. But part of it is interesting to me because what if the thing you're returning you actually don't need or it's some kind of a duplicate and then all of a sudden Amazon's telling you to donate it and mm -hmm. it's just such a weird consumption trend. The idea that nobody wants the thing. <laughs> you don't yeah. want it and the, per the person who sold it to you, they don't want it. They don't want it so badly that they're paying you to keep it. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah. So I can tell you uh, who's doing this program. Amazon, I mentioned. Walmart, I mentioned. Also, uh, Target is doing it. There's an example in the Wall Street Journal here of a customer from Vancouver, Washington, who tried to return makeup from Target and batteries from Walmart, and both chains issued her a refund and told her to keep the items. So are they uh, small items, or is it just a wide range of items. Walmart spokeswoman said that the keep it option is designed for merchandise it doesn't plan to resell and is determined by customers' purchase history, the value of the products, and the cost of processing the returns. Oh, so they it have depends. Some sort of math in there. This did happen to me once. Now that I'm seeing that language, the keep it option, it did happen to me on Amazon as well. I don't remember what it was. I tried to cancel an order prior to it arriving but it had already shipped and i just didn't need the thing anymore yeah. i picked it up i got it somewhere else and i remember seeing that option where your item is not eligible for a return or or something along these lines but there was a keep it option there mm. to get a refund and keep it but it was a cable or something so it was cheap right. as well and i don't often return things either so yeah. anyway they're trying to figure out ways to just deal with this influx and I don't know how many people are going to take a shot at it now. They're going to order up a bunch of things, $10, $20, and try to figure out and 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 uh, sort of work around the system. Yeah, to, give it a shot. To get items for free. I don't. Yeah. It sounds like a big headache and a lot of work to attempt to do it. So I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but it is interesting nonetheless. Your items, it's cheaper to let you keep the item and your money. What does that say about the items we buy? I don't know consumerism yeah i guess so oh here's a cool one will did you ever wonder you know you have a dog you have otis did you ever wonder how otis became otis i guess uh his descendants were wolves yeah one point now otis is right now he's about 20 20 pounds yes and he is doesn't seem like a wolf but no, far from it otis is is a uh, consequence of whatever m many years and generations of 
breeding and and coexistence yeah. with humans, right? He's a domesticated dog for a number of generations. Uh-huh. And people have often wondered how you just went looking for him right there. You see, you're, yeah, you're like, where is my little, where is my, where my little Otis even go? He's right there. Don't worry. Oh, you're gonna bring him on the show since he's being talked about. Give Otis a shot. Here's uh She was sleeping. <laughs> there's our little wolf right there. There he is. Anyway, so there's some new uh, new study here that suggests that this is not going to be all that much of a surprise. You probably imagined it was something like this, that domesticated dogs exist now as a consequence of early humans during the last ice age sharing food with domesticate or with uh, wolves, with wild animals. And then eventually those animals would hang around longer and continue to get fed, and then they would just get used to coexisting until they were turned into pets. Apparently at the time, during the last Ice Age, it was tough to get your hands on uh, anything except meat. Like, you weren't growing a lot of food. Right. As far as uh, agriculture is concerned, and uh, crops and things like this. So it was mostly game, or for a period of time at least, and in particular regions. And... They couldn't eat all the game they were catching because apparently a, a human can only eat so much lean meat. And then some of it has to be fat meat and organ meat and things yes. like this. Yeah. And if you have too much lean meat, it could be a real problem for you. Yeah. That's why you can't just eat like rabbits out in the wild because they have really lean meat. Interesting. Yeah. I think, yeah, anyway, the way they're referring to it here is that because of the Ice Age, the animals were super lean as well. So right. oftentimes they would have more lean meat than what they could eat. And they weren't just being nice to wolves. They just It was just there left over. Mm. And the wolves would figure out that if we stay near these humans, yeah. there's going to be leftover lean meat. We don't have to hunt. Exactly. And if you've ever seen this guy when you have food, when you have leftover food, oh, yeah. what is that guy doing? For he's generations, uh, yeah. he's ready to he's go. Begging for it. Yeah, and 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 almost like, it almost buddy. feels pre-programmed. Like yeah. obviously, I got the dog at home, and she's even smaller, just a puppy. But their instinct around oh, the human is eating. They're is just looking crazy. at you. Easy. Yeah. It is crazy. So uh, apparently, these uh, this this uh, study was looking at humanity's bond with dogs they believe it began in northern eurasia between 14,000 and 29,000 years ago when most of the earth was covered in ice plants were scarce and prey was lean <laughs> hunter-gatherer ancestors could only get 45 percent of calories from eating lean meat hmm. maximum too much you get some kind of protein poisoning it's just too much yeah. of your diet and uh so the, the ancestors relied on animal fat and grease to supplement the diet from the lean meat. But again, you end up with this disproportionate uh, butchering, I guess, where you're taking only some of the things and not the others. To get enough fat, the hunters had to kill more lean animals like deer and moose than they could eat in their entirety. Mm. Now, a wolf is a smart animal, and he's going to figure out if it's anything like these dogs real quick that this is a much easier meal than tackling a moose with your pack. Yeah. And they're not going to hunt you because you're the ones who's hunting. They pick it up. They you. realize quickly. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, you're the giver of food. That's so I'm not going to eat you. Exactly. We hang around with that. We just, we, uh, 
we get the food without too much of a hassle. So anyway, that's that's the uh, the speculation here. Obviously, it's not certain. You're talking about trying to go back 29,000 years, up to 29,000 years. But they think what happened after that was you've got the dog there and they're hanging around the humans and the humans are have this leftover food to give them and then the humans start thinking, well, maybe this dog can do some work for me too. Yeah. Because now I see that it's trainable to a degree that it responds to food-based motivation. So why don't I have it pull this sled? Mm. Or why don't I have it uh, protect this livestock over here mm. that I have because now I'm farming or whatever it might be? Or why don't I um, use it as a protection for, against other creatures? Yeah. Things like this along these lines. That's so cool. You have like a pack of wolves behind you. That's right. They're all your companions. Well, think about those guys with the dog sleds. They, yeah. they they got like, what is it, like 10 or 12 huskies in front of them? Yeah. Usually. So, I mean, it's not that far off. People to this day, it's kind of like that. And those things can move pretty quick. And uh, if you can imagine a time prior to uh, gasoline vehicles, ATVs, snowmobiles, things like this, that would be a pretty cool little upgrade to move across the landscape. Yeah. To have the dog sled. So The Arctic tundra. It's incredible. Now, likely this connection between humans and, and dogs happened over a long period of time. So don't go trying to make friends with a wolf right no, now. No, I can't? No, no, you can't. Okay. Likely this took place over a long period of time and then through breeding processes, they would select for the less aggressive ones yes. towards humans and do all this kind of stuff. But it's a pretty cool study. Obviously, you can go check it out for yourself if you uh, are curious about it. But many have wondered how the dog became the companion. But you start to think about the way people were living 29,000 years ago and the type of climate. And you start to recognize that uh, there's some signs there of yeah. what might have taken place. Adaptation. Last story today. We got to end it on a sinkhole. Okay. You ever heard of a sinkhole, Will? Oh, that's I, no big deal. That's just when the ground collapses beneath you. Yeah. It's no big deal at all. A huge scary. sinkhole, 66 feet deep and 21,500 square feet opens in parking lot of Italian hospital disrupting COVID-19 care. It's no oh. laughing matter. It actually didn't. No patients were harmed or anything like that, but it did disrupt things because it kind of knocked down, I think, their electricity maybe. This was in Naples in Italy. Naples, by the way, my favorite pizza spot growing up, which is no longer there. I still cry about it on many occasions. Hmm. Uh, shout out to Naples. If you guys are out there, I think we should revamp, revitalize, bring it back. I know now is a bad time for restaurants, but a lot of people are doing the takeout. Yeah. So if you want to do Naples V2... Reach out to Will at lulater.com and we'll, we can launch this thing because my life hasn't been the same since you guys shut down. Yeah. So shout out to Naples. Childhood stuff. Anyway, uh, this is in actual Naples in Italy. It's the Hospital of the Sea. And these things always, it just gets me going because you try to imagine what that circumstance would feel like for the entire... I mean, sometimes these things go hundreds of feet deep, Will. Mm-hmm. Let's look at some sinkholes here. Yeah, I mean, just is there anything more terrifying than you just you just fall? You're just what a way 
just a giant hole. Yeah, you're just running for like going for a jog at the park, yeah. and then uh, you know what? You're like you know, you know what I used to have? I used to have the, the nightmares when I was a kid of the Earth splitting to a giant hole, like oh. the land splits. And you're in the middle of it. Yeah, you know, you know, in movies how that used to happen. I don't know if it's dinosaur movies or what, yeah. but like, it's an earthquake, and then the there's camera, this line. You can see the crack. The hairline crack, and then it yeah. starts to split, and you got nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Anyway, the one in this story is only 66 feet deep, which is, I, I mean, if you were standing on it, I guess that's still enough to kill you. Uh huh. So luckily, no one was. Ooh. But. It's so weird. It's just the way it falls out. They don't know exactly why they happen. It's often different circumstances. They think this could have been water-related, maybe. Uh, like a natural occurrence. It can, be, it can be immediate and dramatic or it can happen over time. It can come from groundwater pumping. It can be human-induced due to nearby construction. Uh, so anyway, this was a 66-foot one. But... The world's largest above-ground sinkhole, 2,100 feet deep in 1994 in China. Uh -huh. 22,100 feet sinkhole. Oh, that's so scary. That's a, just, a, just a dark. And it's like a void. You look down, it's just darkness. Crazy, man. Look at those things. Oh. It's like a giant well, you know, getting the kid gets trapped at the bottom of the well. That's another Little nightmare. Timmy. Who? Little Timmy. Little Timmy. Yeah. You get trapped at the bottom of the well. Yeah. This is like a much more giant, devastating version of that. Sinkholes. Anyway, I don't know why I chose to end the show that way no. today, but uh, I want you all to consider yeah. taking a long nap at the bottom of a sinkhole.